Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's uh, show, we have a very special guest, Troy Sather, who's actually ran across all of America, running for over 100 marathons and 100 days consecutively. He actually set a record for a Death Valley run as well. Now he's a published author, uh, world-class speaker, and more. So we're going to be finding about uh, Croy, about his big life decision to uh, run across the U.S., and uh, now how he's monetized it, and he's taken his travel and his business to the whole next level. So, Croy, uh, to start off with, why don't we get to know you a little bit better? If you want to do a quick background, who are you, and uh, a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> uh, as, you know, at 40-some years old, where do you start, right? <laughs> the, I, I used to, I'll go into a short background. I was, I was a carpenter. I grew up in a family of carpenters. My brother, my father, my uncles, everybody's a carpenter, so that's what I became. Um, but I, and I was good at it, and I was passionate about it, but it wasn't what I wanted to do all my life. So I started looking for other solutions to life. Uh, mostly I started looking for solutions to solve my problems because my life was kind of a roller coaster and screwed up at that time. Um, the short of the story is, is that I decided I saw some speakers uh, on stage. I went to this one event, my first public event. I saw these guys on stage. These guys were giants. It was amazing. I was like, that's what I want to do. I was caught with the bug and that started my journey into personal development and into speaking. And now here I am 10 years or so later, I guess it's a little longer now, and, and uh, traveling the world, living nomadic, just like you. I do not have a home or an apartment or anything. I stay at Airbnbs or stay with friends or family, and I, I'm constantly on the move for the past uh, nine months now. Very similar. We've been doing it for about nine months now, and we don't own a home or very much stuff either. We sold most of the stuff, and we gave it away. We had a sale where people could come over, and they could take whatever they want, and give us whatever we want. We got their money. They got stuff. I think we got the better end of the bargain. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you had this uh, life-changing moment where you attended this event, and you saw these speakers on stage, and you're like, I want to do that. But you didn't stop there. A lot of people have these epiphanies and they just kind of like, I want to do that, but then nothing happens. <laughs> With you, something happened. Take us to the next step. What did you do from that moment onwards? It was the seeing the guys on stage, that, was, that wasn't a, a, a turning point. But that took a while to get there. I was looking for solutions already, so it wasn't really an overnight thing. But that was the moment when I realized, I was like, wow, that is super exciting to me. But I wasn't a speaker at all. I had never spoken before in my life. And so now it was like, how do you go from a carpenter, a guy who barely graduated high school? I didn't have my college degree yet. And so how do you go from, from a guy who's, you know, as rough and, as you get and then turn him into a polished professional speaker that wears a suit every day? I didn't ever even wear a suit other than to like my grandparents' funeral. And that was like the only time my entire life. So it was a big change. It took a long time to get there. And, it was, and I mentioned that because if you're that far from your goals, you just have to take one step and then keep taking another step and keep taking another step. Um, uh, as Martin Luther King says, you do not need to see the whole staircase to take the first step. If you take the first step, the next step will be revealed. And that led from one thing to another to another. And as I was going through it, the, you know, I started speaking a little bit. And yeah, I see your daughter behind you. <laughs> And, and as I started speaking a little bit and, and then one thing came to another and I started doing all this personal development stuff and I realized something. I realized that I had the potential to do anything I wanted. And I was bit by this bug to, to run across America. I'd heard, a guy, heard about a guy who did it. And I was like, 
that is the coolest, most ridiculous, stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I've got to do it. And so I wasn't a runner at that point. So I wasn't a speaker and I slowly became a speaker. I wasn't a runner, but very quickly became a runner with only one year of training. Uh, then I was running across America, a marathon distance a day for 100 consecutive days. That is definitely remarkable from being 100% non-runner to being you know, one of the <laughs> runners in the world uh, crossing the entire uh, continental U.S. Tell us about the journey. Uh, where did you start the journey? Uh, where did you run through in terms of the states and where did you end? I started in San Diego, ran through the south and turned north and ended up in New York City, which is very close to home. I live up here in uh, the New York City area. And so I ran through Texas, which took me three weeks to run through just Texas. <laughs> that is, they say things are bigger in Texas. They are not kidding. Uh, when I left California, I was a vegetarian, but I quickly learned that New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas do not understand very well what vegetarian is, uh, especially not back then. That was six years ago. Uh, so I ended up starting to, uh, you know, eat everything and anything. And that's the questions I usually get. How many sneakers did I go through? 16 pairs of sneakers, 12 of them flat out bald. Um, what did I eat and how much did I eat? I ate anything and everything that wasn't nailed down. And to keep my weight on, I ate a lot of milkshakes. Not that that's a healthy food. I don't recommend it. But I needed a lot of calories and I needed a lot of fluids. So that was a really great way for me to get both um, and maintain my weight more or less. I did lose some, but I, I kind of maintained it. Um, but the big question is, and, and I think this is going to be your next question, is, you know, why? why? Why would you do that? You know, why would an ordinary guy who wasn't a runner become a runner and then go do this stupid thing? And it goes back to what I alluded to a few minutes ago is that I got tired of being ordinary. I believe that we all have the ability to be extraordinary, but it's not turned on for all of us. It's not encouraged. It's not fostered through our experiences. But if you're listening to a podcast like this, if you're reading books, if you're hungry for more, you definitely have that switch turned on. And you can definitely achieve absolutely remarkable, extraordinary things. And that's where I was. I wanted to do something more. I wanted to do something remarkable. I didn't know what at the time, but then I was bit by this bug for Run Across America. And, and that's what I did. And so I actually combined speaking with Run Across America. So I spoke every day and ran a marathon every single day for 100 days. You all already answered the why question to degree. And now I want to know the how question. So how did you actually manage it in terms of the what were you carrying? Where were you staying? What were you eating? How were you financing it? Walk us through the logistics that they implement. <laughs> I, I like to go minimalist whenever I can. I like to keep it as simple as possible. So I usually didn't carry much of anything with me when I was actually running. I did in the beginning. Then I realized most often it was unnecessary. Um, my crew followed me often very, very close in the beginning. I realized that was also unnecessary. So I would just have them go ahead pretty far. And if I needed them, I would just text them. So I would stop at gas stations for water or, um, you know, use a spigot in somebody's house and things like that. When I passed a gas station or a restaurant, I'd usually pick up my own food. I just carried a little bit of money with me. Um, lost my license along the way somewhere. I'm not sure how I did that, but I, I lost my license along the way. Um, and, and so the logistics of that, I actually kept it quite ridiculously simple. Um, I had a crew with me, uh, uh, four people plus me, and we all lived in an RV talk about a reality show. We had never met each other before we met in California. And so we're all living in this little metal box on wheels. And that created some very interesting stories and experiences. <laughs> um, financing it, I financed most of it myself. I'd had uh, quite a bit of savings at that point. 
And then the rest I put onto credit cards and home equity loans and stuff like that. Cost me $150,000. Um, half of that was my marketing. I was on the news and the media most days. So a lot of that was a marketing expense. Um, if I was to do it over again, I would do it very, very different, especially in today's, the way people are connected today in the digital world. Um, doing what I did wasn't necessary. Uh, it was probably necessary back then, but it isn't necessary now. So you mentioned you had four support uh, individuals in the RV. Uh, what were their roles? Like obviously one was the driver, but what were the role of the other people? Yeah, I had a driver and uh, he was kind of the tour manager. He managed my schedules and made sure I get, ended up where I was supposed to end up. Because um, I was on, I spoke every day and I was on the media every day or I had radio shows or whatever every day. So he kept me online. I had a massage therapist, a bodywork person. Would not have been able to do it without her. It was absolutely necessary, especially for a, a my body that was transitioning so radically in those first few weeks. Um, then I had a photographer and videographer. So the whole thing is documented. One day, maybe I'll make a documentary out of it. Who knows? Yeah, no, you definitely should. It sounds like an amazing, incredible, uh, life-changing experience, obviously. Uh, tell us about, uh, you know, some of the highlights. Um, uh, I can just think of one right now going through Death Valley. I don't know if that was a highlight or lowlights, considering how difficult it was. Uh, but tell us about some of the, the kind of the ups and the downs during that run. Well, Death Valley was actually a different run. That happened a year later. So I wasn't a runner, trained for a year, ran across America, trained for another year, and then broke the world record running through Death Valley. But to, to answer your story about a story, I mean, there, there are so many stories. I think one of my favorite ones, ones that I think uh, – my audience likes most when I'm speaking from stage is when I was in Las Cruces, New Mexico. This was day 21. I had five miles left to go. It was the end of the day. It was 10 PM already. And my body was shutting down. It was just literally shutting down. I collapsed in the street. I sat there for a little bit. I picked myself up. I walked a quarter mile, sat back down, repeated this a few times, um, and then eventually, uh, I could have just called up my crew and said, you know, Hey guys, come get me. I'm done for the day. But then what would have been easy to do the next day? You know, give up a few more miles. Right. And then the next day, give up a few more miles. Next thing you know, I'm not running across America. I'm running halfway across America. I'm running to Alabama. Um, so I picked myself up and I kept doing that and, and sat myself down, but I wouldn't quit for several reasons because, one, I would have been giving up on my goal, my goal for the mileage that day, but my goal for running across America, because that eventually wouldn't have happened. But I would have also been giving up on my dream. And more importantly, I would have been giving up on myself. And I have given up on myself way too many times in the past. I promised myself I'd never do that again. I wanted to quit every day. I was in so much pain that the tears were rolling down my face. It was, took me 15 minutes just to wake up and get out of bed every morning because I was so sore. Um, but I never considered quitting. I always wanted to, but I never considered it because it was my dream was fueled me to keep going forward. So that's one of the strategies in life. One of the goals in life is if your dream isn't big enough to pull you towards it, then you probably need a new dream. And if you don't know what your dream is, then that's your, that's your goal is to find your dream. So five hours later, what should have taken me an hour, I ended up back at the RV. I finished my mileage for the day. I collapsed as quickly as I hit the bed, slept four hours to start the whole thing all over again. I went through that kind of pain for two weeks or so more than that before my body finally started getting stronger and then slowly got stronger. And by the time I got across to New York, I was running a marathon a day almost as if it was a simple jog in the park. Almost. <laughs> 
Remarkable. Uh, so what would you say are some of the major life lessons? I mean, obviously, this experience has changed you remarkably, both internally, externally, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Tell us about what did this run teach you from a life perspective? It did all of those things. But the important thing to remember is, is that I, I know some people are saying, because I've heard it over and over and over. So some people are listening to this and saying, you know, yeah, he's special. You know, he's gifted. He's a gifted runner. I freaking suck as a runner. <laughs> I do. I've learned, my body has learned to adapt and make the best out of it that I can, but I'm not physically designed as a runner. I'm, I'm too muscular. I'm just not built that way, but my body's adapted. But it's the, the important part is that it's not about the run and I'm not special other than having this desire turned on, just like everybody who's listening to this, they have this desire turned on. Other than that, there's nothing that unique about me except that I'm hungry and I'm driven. So it's not about the run. It's not about the world record. It's not about speaking every day. It's about following your dream, whatever lights you up. You're traveling. You're in Ecuador right now. Totally extraordinary. I want to be more like you, and I'm working on it. And, you know, I'm nomadic too, but I'm not quite as cool as nomadic as you. I was living in Costa Rica for a little while. Um, but it's about following your dream, whatever that is, whatever lights you up. And if that means just simply getting out of your job and, and starting a business, even if you don't want to be nomadic, or, or if it's simply going to school, I was the first one to graduate, um, second brother to graduate high school, first one to ever go to college, and still the only one to ever go to college in my family. That was super important for me. I don't use my college education, but it was important for me to have a self-worth, you know, get rid of that self-worth issue of not being smart enough. Now, I was a carpenter, and 34 years old, I went back to school. That was my dream at that point. That led to another dream. That led to another dream. So the point is, is that whatever you're driven to do, just freaking do it. Stop making excuses. Stop rationalizing and start taking action. Whatever action that is, do something to move you closer. Yeah, absolutely. One of my big hairy audacious goals is to be the first family in human history to visit every country in the world. Right now at this uh, interview, no kids have ever done it. No minors. The youngest person has been about 20, 23. And uh, we, our kids have already been uh, across the world. They've been to four continents. I've been to 70 countries on six continents. So Holy we're just cow. reaching our way through there, you know. It, it seems so far right now, but we realize, like, it is just a country at a time. Okay, we've done Ecuador, country number 70. Peru next week will be 71, 72, 73. By the end of the year, we'll be at 74, 75, and, you know. Then we'll be the 100, and then boom, we'll hit the 193. And how many countries are there in the world? 193, 193. Oh, 193, okay, I didn't hear that. So, so you're like a third of the way there, and that's amazing. Yeah, you know, some people say, Ricky, you've been all over the world, you've been in 70 countries. I'm like, well, I'm only a third of the way there, there's still, uh, you know, <laughs> still to go. so there's a long way left, especially all these African countries. 54 countries in Africa, there's all the South Pacific Islands, the Caribbean Islands, a lot of the Middle East we slept through, and then there's obviously all these kind of kind of risky areas like Afghanistan and like parts of the world that are in a war. So we're like, okay, let's leave those to the end. Let's do the easy ones first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, South America is easy. We're traveling with three young kids. We're, we're traveling the whole continent. We're, uh, by December, we'll have done every country in South America in nine months, pretty much all over land. So, you know, uh, you know, I am, I guess, living proof that a dream is possible, and so are you. And uh, people are listening and watching today, they get inspired, but uh, the inspiration can't stop at that. It has to lead from inspiration to action. And, uh, so, you know, so, so some people are yeah. saying right now, listening to you, and, and I got, I'm thinking about it a little bit in the back of my mind, but only a little bit because I'm not a fear-based person. 
But how are you managing this? Because some people are saying, holy cow, some of these countries, even just Latin America, there are some countries that are just not that safe. None of them are terrible compared to other places in the world, but there are some that are definitely riskier than others. Um, so how are you managing that? How are you getting past that mindset of, oh, this is too dangerous for me to go? And my kids and my wife and my family, holy cow, I could never do that. You know people are saying that. So what do you say to that? If you think it is, it will be. You know, I, of course. Think, I think the world is safe. Uh, you know, of, of course there are areas that are dangerous in the world, but you just avoid those areas. I really feel that people are good and, uh, you know, the world is safe and you can go wherever you want, whatever you want, with whoever you want. And people are there to help, support. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in, uh, you know, taking precautions, don't walk in, like, some kind of, kind of, kind of practical tips. Obviously, you're not going to walk around in, in, at night in, uh, you know, in quiet areas with no one around. You're not going to walk around with, like, expensive jewelry on, like, uh, you're not going to walk around with your phone out, uh, taking pictures and, uh, you know, uh, leaving it open for people to grab it. You're not going to be speaking English really loud in areas. Um, you, know, you know, it's just kind of like not walking around with maps, uh, kind of fitting in and in integrating as much so they don't even realize that you're a foreigner visiting them, uh, not flashing around money. So I think there's some really small practical steps, but we've actually went to every single country so far with the exception of four in South America. We even went to Venezuela and that was a little bit of the risk. People like, what? You went to Venezuela, it's in the midst of a civil war right now. There's a, uh, you know, a, a, a people like lining up for rations and food and healthcare and stuff like that. But when we went into Venezuela, we crossed over from Colombia and um, there's military presence there, like paratroopers and stuff like that. Uh, you do feel like uh, there's a little bit more danger than you do in a place like maybe Argentina or Brazil. But when we went into Venezuela, when we got into the town, it is like any other town in any other place. It's just people living their everyday lives there, getting the haircuts, going shopping, taking the buses, going to school, going to work. And it just is functioning like every other city. And I felt super safe and I didn't even feel like there was threats or uh, danger to myself or my family. So it is definitely like you're talking about the mindset and I think we're definitely uh, resonating here. It is the mindset, it is the self-belief, it is the belief in the world and the belief in the goodness of people I feel. And the more you travel, the more life teaches you that. That's what I asked about your life license. My life license are, yeah, people are good and people want to help. Yeah. And uh, when they see kids and all, like they're, they're always so cautious and um, aware of like, this is a family with kids. Let's figure out how we can help them. And I'm very cognizant of that fact. I'm observing and I'm actually just like, kind of like, you have to be kind of street smart. Like who, who, who is looking at us? who is like, uh, uh, you know, kind of like looking kind of like dodgy at us. And if you see like someone is looking at us kind of like dodgy, we get out of there as fast as we can. But we have traveled the world and I haven't had any issues. Uh, like the biggest issues we've had are our own stupidity. We've missed a flight. We, we couldn't get in the country because we didn't have a visa. We, uh, you know, like uh, we're late to buses and we missed them. So the, the worst things that have happened to us have been self-harm or self-caused. Self not because of the dangers of the world. <laughs> and I find, too, I haven't traveled as much as you have, but I have traveled quite a bit, and mostly in uh, Mexico, Central, South America, for the most part. And I, I've noticed that if you walk around like you belong there, like you were talking about, if you walk around with confidence, I've never had any problems anywhere. And, and I've been there at night, and I go into the, the rough neighborhoods because I want to see what people live like. And that's probably a little bit, naive of me to assume that I'm going to be safe in some of the places I go. But I also go in there with that conviction, like you talked about, that nothing's going to happen to me. 
you know, if they steal my wallet, who cares? You know, it's, it's, it's just money. That's not a problem, but that's never even happened to me. I've never had a camera stolen. I've never had anything happen. Um, so it's, it's like you said, it's, it's the mindset you go in there with. And, and that's going back to what we were talking about a minute ago. And I'm reading a book right now uh, from Joe Vitale. I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it, it's all about money mindset and success mindset. And the very first thing he talks about is, is if, if you focus on not having enough money for bills or if you focus on if you're making a change in life that it's going to be a struggle and you're going to have problems, then that's what you're going to get. But if you focus on what's going to happen, then that's, you know, the good stuff. You're going to focus on, oh, I'm going to start a business and it's going to be successful. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to figure it out really quick and I'm going to hustle until I get it done. Then that's what's going to happen. And it's just like for you, it's happening for you. You're traveling the world, 70 some countries at this point, and nothing has happened to you yet other than missing a flight or something, you know, fairly innocuous. So you go with the mindset that will change everything. Everything starts between your mind, everything. Yes, absolutely. And I truly believe that, uh, you know, nothing will happen. You know, I, I've already claimed that, that nothing's going to happen, that we're going to be safe, that people are going to be good, that uh, we're going we're gonna to actually achieve this mission. Because uh, there are times, you know, like you said, that no one, you don't have the fear of mindset, but there are times of self-doubt. You're like, am I really crazy to, uh, to proclaim this publicly? Am I really going to do it? Am I going to fail? Yes, there's that inner critic, but I have to always squash it, you know, at my feet, squash it and just say we are going to do it. We are. And I can almost picture the finish line. We do it. We're all like, you're all over the media. We're all over the media. First family in human history to visit every country in the world. I keep declaring it on these podcasts. <laughs> start not only listening, but they start believing and saying, hey, I can help you. Maybe go, go to this media publication and, uh, you know, uh, talk to this person. They rest. You visit every country in the world. Maybe they can give you some tips. And uh, the universe conspires to make our dreams come true as long as we believe them and we declare it to the universe, right? And that's a really, really important point. When, when I went to run across America and I told people, you know, I, I wasn't a runner and my speaking career was still fairly new at that point. So I was like, I'm going to tell everybody, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to run across America. I'm going to run a marathon distance a day. And then every day I'm going to speak to at-risk audiences. You know, these people who are in challenge and, and trouble, like wounded warriors, addiction centers, homeless shelters. You know, I'm going to speak to all these amazing groups of people who just need to help to rise above their circumstances. And I'm going to run 100 marathons in a row. What do you think everybody said? You're crazy, you're stupid, it's impossible. Or my mom's, my, my favorite is my mom. You're gonna kill yourself. <laughs> Thanks mom. You know, but she's trying to protect me and everybody else is trying to protect me. And they're going by their vision, their view of the world of what's realistic. And for them, running across America, traveling every country in the world, for them that would be impossible because that's not what they see as possible. But when you go there with full conviction, I said, I'm gonna run across America and there's nothing that's going to stop me. And my joke is that the only thing that's going to stop me is a, a semi-truck hitting me head on. Now, that's funny kind of now, but it's a little weird. I stopped saying that because people thought I was crazy. But I meant it as a metaphor, of course, is that I'm going to finish no matter what. And there's nothing on this earth that is going to stop me. And not only am I going to finish, I'm going to finish without injury. And that was a big deal. You know, you go from a non-runner to run a marathon distance a day. How do you do it without injury? So it was my conviction, and that's part of why I made it all the way across America, successfully and without injury. So mission accomplished. You have done the feat. You, you did this whole run across America, running um, you know, 100 marathons, speaking 100 places in 100 consecutive days. You did this Death Valley uh, run. Uh, what's next? What happened after the, uh, the run and the Death Valley record-breaking? Uh, what happened to you next? Uh, because... And, you know, like once you finish a goal, 
there's always like, okay, the next call, the next call, is your call to uh, run across uh, Africa next, or is your call to break another record? What's next uh, after completing these two major goals? Right, well, yeah, it was Run Across America, it was Death Valley, then my speaking career took off and I was very busy with that. Um, that's changing now and I'm starting to evolve my business a little more. I'm still speaking. I still love to do that. But I'm also creating uh, another income source for me. I haven't been a millionaire yet. And that's my goal right now is, and I know it's just a, a, a manufactured number in our head, but it's a number that has meaning to us, at least as Westerners. You know, it's a number that has meaning. Um, so that's my goal right now is, you know, how do I go from where I am to a millionaire and how quickly can I do it? So I'm starting an e-commerce business online. So I'm not just depending on one main source of income, which is speaking and coaching, which is what I do now, but I'm also building another on, uh, um, building an e-commerce store. And I'm also building some online training programs. So if you can't come to my live event or if you're not a corporation and you're an individual looking to be learn some of the stuff that I teach, then there'll be ways for you to do it for a very inexpensive way, which is you know an online course. And then hopefully I'll meet you one day in person at one of my live seminars. So right now my focus is on how do I become truly financially free? You know, truly financially free because when you have that, then you can do what you're doing or what I've started to do is travel the world. But I want to be able to do it. And, you know, if, if you go to if I go to a country and something happens and I want to go stay at the Four Seasons or something, I don't want to have to worry about it. Oh, shit, this is a thousand dollars a night. You know, if something goes bad and I got to go to someplace safe, I want to go to a nice place like that or someplace luxurious or it's an anniversary. I don't want to have to think about, you know, can I afford this? I want to just do it because I want to do it. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not financially free. We're not staying at the Four Seasons. We're actually staying at a backpackers <laughs> So over here uh, in uh, Ecuador, we're actually staying at a backpackers hostel. Uh, Cost us 20 US per night. Uh, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, like, uh, this works for us right now. Obviously, once we make more money, um, one of my goals is to hit six figures and then seven figures as well. And uh, once we hit that, then obviously, we don't need to stay in these backpacker hostels. We don't need to get sponsors to travel through my blog. We can stay much more comfortably, much more luxuriously, and we can have the freedom to do what we want when we want. And also not only for ourselves, but actually impacting the communities, giving back, donating. Hey, there's a charity. Well, here's a thousand bucks or here's a couple thousand to help your charity, right? So we want to get there, not just for ourselves, but to make an impact. Because at the end of the day, it's not just for ourselves, it's to impact the world and impact the people that live in this world. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what part of my run across America was, was to help other people. But, but I love what you're, you're saying here and that you're, you're so open and, and authentic about it, where you're staying and, and, and where you are now, because that could have been and should have been for most people an excuse not to do what you're doing. But you, you're as a family, you're doing it together, you're figuring out. And I also think that you're getting a better experience for your kids and for you and your wife as well through this process of staying and meeting local people and staying in, in these kinds of places that are that aren't, um, what would be the word, excluded, secluded from, from the, the rest of the world. You know, if you just stayed at the Four Seasons all the time, what kind of experience would that be in any of these countries you go to? It'd be extremely limited. You're seeing the real world wherever you are. I love it. I think it's fantastic what you guys are doing. Yeah, actually, our kids love hostels way better because then they get to meet people. And then nowadays, whenever they see a backpacker, uh, they actually point out. And then before I say it, they're like, backpacker, backpacker, let's go talk to them. Because the backpackers are the ones with the big backpacks and they can speak English. So uh, our daughter's like, <laughs> and she loves uh, connecting with people, asking questions, learning about countries and cultures. 
You have a question for us yesterday? What's your What's my favorite country? Oh, there's, there's been many of them. Um, I'm definitely more fond of the Latin countries, Latin America. Uh, Costa Rica, I just spent some time there and that was absolutely extraordinary. That's the most beautiful country I've been to for sure. Um, I, th I think it's just any of the Latin countries because what I love about the Latin culture, and I'm not Spanish or not barely Spanish anyway, of my own, but I find that that culture is the warmest cultures in the entire world of anywhere else that I've been so far. So that's why I like it. They're the friendliest and they're the loveliest, warmest people. And they would invite you into their home in a heartbeat and feed you and take care of you and treat you like family. Not too many places in the world like that. Yeah, I find that as well. Uh, here in, uh, we are traveling around South America, as I've mentioned, and super, super hospitable people, you know, like uh, we can befriend them uh, with the exception of the language area. If we can overcome that, and even if we can't, we still find super friendly people. And I would say definitely the Middle East has been uh, super hospitable for me. Uh, the Muslim people are some of the most generous, uh, kind people. And unfortunately, the media tells you otherwise about both the Latinos and about the Islam culture, right? I haven't been to, to the Islamic cultures, um, countries yet. Uh, I'd love to. Oh, actually, I can't say that. I have been to a couple. Um, and you're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, you are absolutely right. They are, they are just as warm as, and as inviting. Um, I studied Islam quite a bit when I was in college because um, at that time there was, there was some new issues going on in the world. So I wanted to learn about what that was. And, and I, I realized something, and I realized this as I've traveled to more and more countries, something that my mind was very, very close to when I was younger and only living um, in New York and not really having a cultural experience much uh, is that the more I've learned about other cultures, the more I realize that we are all exactly the same. We want to be loved. We want to have a family. We want to be safe. And we want to have at least enough money to be comfortable to, you know, feed ourselves and be safe enough, at least that much. You know, so we all want the same thing. We, we want love and we want community and we want, um, camaraderie and friendship and, and, you know, some sort of a good experience in life. It's the human way, no matter what country you're in. And I, that's what I love about traveling. Yes. And I think one of the other common things is that everyone should travel to some degree. Some of us want to travel across the universe. Some of us want to just travel to another city. Some of us want to travel across Canada or America. So, uh, you know, I think that's something we all have in common as well. So, Croy, uh, to end up here, there might be someone who's watching, listening, who might have a big hairy audacious goal like uh, you did, and then you accomplished, and then now you have another here. It's kind of like you finish one and you keep having big hairy audacious goals until you hit the casket, right? Um, what advice or tips should you give to someone who has a big dream and uh, wants to not only dream big, but act big, just like your book says? Uh, what would you recommend they do to dream big and act bigger? You, you, two things. One is you got to stop listening to other people who say you can't. And that's easier said than done, but you got to work on that to, to ignore the naysayers and the dream stealers because they're out there and they'll be your family and they'll be your friends and they'll just, they'll be strangers. I get beat up on social media once in a while. I mean, there are just people out there that are cynics and they're complainers. And if they're not complaining about you, they'll complain about someone else. So just ignore those people because they just want to simply complain or be cynical. So that's part one. The other part is that you got to just start taking action and take consistent, persistent focused action towards what you want. And no matter how small, how slow your progress, you've got to keep moving forward because sometimes you're going to catapult yourself and other times you're going to be, it's going to feel like you're going backwards. But as long as you keep taking persistent, consistent, focused action, you're going to slowly get there. Um, if you don't mind, you, can I give your, your listeners a, a gift? Yeah, we definitely 
how can people connect with you in terms of the coaching, speaking, the book, and you know, how can people I, I could hear part of what you're saying. I'm pretty sure you gave me permission, so I'll go ahead with it. Uh, I'm getting a smile from you. <laughs> so uh, I have a gift for everybody. If you go to freedreambigbook.com, freedreambigbook.com, you can download my book, digital version, absolutely free, and connect with me on social media um, or, or wherever you like, or connect with me through my website, croysather.com. Uh, you can find my, the spelling of my name because it's kind of unusual in the, in the, uh, the link somewhere on, on the YouTube video or wherever this is posted. So, but free dreambigbook.com and, and uh, we'll, we'll get connected that way. Definitely highly recommend checking out the book. I had an opportunity to download it just a few days ago. Um, make sure you connect with Croy. Uh, Croy, uh, tell us about your websites as well. Uh, if people want to connect with you on your websites and your social media. Uh, everything is my name. So croysather.com, Facebook slash Croy, Twitter slash Croysather, LinkedIn slash Croysather. It's, it's all the same thing. If you, you just Google me, I'm the only Croysather in the world. I am not hard to find. You got to thank your parents for giving you good, good Google juice because, you know, having <laughs> Helps you in the Google rankings. Uh, me too, Ricky Shetty. Very unique name. If you Google me, you'll find you across the web as well. So thank you, Croy. Definitely great to connect with a big dreamer and a big action taker like yourself. Uh, we'll connect with you soon on social media and beyond. Great to talk with you again, Ricky. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Digital Moment Mastery, where we had the opportunity to learn about an extraordinary life story and an extraordinary life-changing uh, event where Croy, uh, where Croy actually ran across America. He not only thought about it, but he did it, and now he's talking about it and uh, inspiring others to do it and do their dreams and fulfill their dreams as well. So thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Digital Moment Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.